Somewhere around 1891, the first shoe with the screw-on metal spikes for golf shoes was invented, and that was used for several decades after that, pretty much standard metal golf spikes. But it was murder on greens. They just tore up greens. And so sometime in the 90s, early 90s, these this design was, was invented with the plastic spikes that you screw on, and this is the kind that I have, obviously, where you can change those out, but it's a little bit easier on greens. My understanding is that there is a new version that is still based on the principle of having spikes, but it's a suction cup design to where it kind of sticks. I haven't tried these. I don't know, but they're supposed to be, again, a lot better on greens. So why do I bring up golf shoes? Well, what is the purpose of golf shoes? Well, if you walk a golf course, you go uphill, you go downhill, the grass can be slippery, you need traction, you need to be able to walk. But more importantly than that, if you know anything about golf, if you want power in your swing, the power from your swing comes from your legs, and the power in your legs is dependent upon how well your feet are grounded. And so you need to have your feet dug in. You need to have your feet grounded so that you can swing. And here's the point. What we're going to learn this morning whether you believe it or not, is that golf shoes represent gospel shoes. We're going to learn from that principle how to take this piece of armor and use it in our daily lives as we go about trying to fight these battles that come with spiritual warfare. And we need to be equipped because we know that spiritual warfare is real. It's all around us. Everywhere we look, it impacts our lives. We need to know how to live. We need to know what to do in our families, in our marriage, uh, in the church. We're fighting for the mission. We're fighting for the, the lost. And the battle is important. And there's a lot at stake. And so we need to know how to go about our daily lives. And this is why we're in this series and have been for the past three weeks called Battle Gear, where we're learning how to live strong in the midst of life struggles. And it is a struggle to live for the Lord from day to day, to live the way He wants us to live, to practice the righteousness that we talked about last week, to know the truth, but not only to know the truth, put on the belt of truth every day, which means living by the truth and adjusting my life to God's absolute standard of truth. And Paul, and God through Paul in His Word gives us Uh, some practical things that we can use for spiritual warfare, the armor of God. I've read it the past few weeks. We're going to read it again. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13. Finally, Paul says, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your family, your kids, your co-workers, your own flesh, your own weaknesses. Our battle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens, which heaven simply means the spiritual realm. There's this cosmic spiritual battle going on that we can't see But it's going on all around us, and it impacts us every day. We feel it. It's spiritual, but we feel the effects physically and in many other ways. Verse 13, this is why we need to take up the full armor of God, so that we will be able to resist in the evil day, and having prepared everything, take our stand. Again, God's word's clear. There is this cosmic spiritual battle that's going on all around us, a war that's going on in the spiritual realm. And Satan and his followers, demons, are behind it. And their goal is to make you 
ineffective. If, if you're not a Christian, he wants to keep you from becoming a Christian, from accepting salvation. If you are a believer, he wants to knock you off your feet and cause you to live a defeated life. Satan is behind it. And we see him use different tactics, temptation, deception. Uh, he lies. He cheats. He does everything he can to convince us to walk away from the protection out from under the authority of God and try to try to live life on our own in our own abilities and strengths. We're fighting for our lives, for our families, for the mission, for the church, uh, the lost. It, the, the battle is important. The battle's raging and the cost is great. And we need to know what, what, uh, how to do what's right. We need to know what's right and then how to live the right way. And as we've talked about, the first step in that is that we as believers, followers of Christ, we need to learn to view the world the way God sees the world and the way his words see the world, uh, the way God's word defines the world. We need to learn to look at the world through the lens of God and his word, how he sees it. And that's the first step in fighting this battle that's raging. We're fighting uh, two things we need to understand. First of all, as believers, you're not called to join the war. You're called, you're already in the war if you're a follower of Christ. The second thing is, thankfully, we're not called to win the war. The war's already won. Jesus is already, we're fighting from victory, not for victory. Jesus has already accomplished victory through his empty tomb. So we, as followers of Christ, God has given us practical, tangible things we can use to fight in spiritual warfare every day. It's called the armor of God. Last week, we looked at the breastplate of righteousness. The first week, we looked at the belt of truth. You can't practice righteousness unless you know the truth. One flows from the other. Well, today, we're going to look at the gospel shoes of peace and how we need to prepare ourselves with the gospel shoes. First, we learn that the gospel shoes give us the ability to stand firm in the gospel, to stand firm in the gospel. Again, your feet have to be grounded so that you'll have power. Our feet have to be grounded, not just in anything, but in the gospel in order to have power to fight in spiritual war every day. Look at verse 15 of chapter 6. In the NASB it reads, Paul says, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That word shod simply is talking about what you have on your feet, putting shoes on your feet. So the type of shoes that you have. And if you go to the Roman soldier's armor, remember Paul, he's under house arrest, chained to a Roman soldier. He knows every piece of armor, uh, what it was used for. He's taking those pieces and explaining to us how to use the armor of God to, spot, to fight in spiritual warfare every day. So we look at the Roman soldier's shoes, his sandals. And if you can see at the, in the bottom, you can see that these sandals, this is uh, a replica, but they had uh, metal uh, studs on the bottom, very similar to golf shoes, right? Or cleats, spikes in the bottom to provide stability, to provide security. These are, these, the sandals are called caliga and the the studs are called hobnails. The cleats are called hobnails. And what a Roman soldier, he needed to be able to fight, to be able to march, to be able to, to move around, his feet needed to be grounded. Just like if you play sports, you need cleats to be able to move, to stop and go, to be firm in your, in your position. 
That's the Roman soldier. His feet needed to be grounded. A lot of marching uphill, downhill, but in battle, he wanted to have a firm position. He wanted to be well grounded so that it would be harder for his opponent to knock him over. Also, talking about power in a swing, a soldier might need to swing a sword, right? Or some sort of stick or something in battle. And so having his feet grounded made it easier for him to swing. It gave him more power as he fought. And that's the whole concept is that shodding our feet, putting the gospel shoes on us. The principle here is that we need to be grounded, well grounded, firm in our faith as we go about fighting spiritual war. Paul is using these shoes to teach us about spiritual war. Here's what he's telling us. In our spiritual war, it's the shoes. We are anchored in the gospel as we advance the gospel. Our feet are planted firm in the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. And in that, we are firm. So Paul is telling us when he's saying, have your feet shod, what he's saying, he's talking about placing ourselves in a stationary position. This creates stability. This creates a firm foundation or gives us a firm foundation so that when Satan comes, and he will, it's, he will not be able to knock us off our feet. We'll be firm, we'll be grounded, and he won't be able to knock us off our feet. Paul is saying that in life, you know, there, there are a lot of different ways, a lot of different things that come and try to knock us off our feet, right? Circumstances finances, family members, relationships, any number of things can come across our paths and cause us, hit us, and cause us to be unbalanced, to be disoriented, uh, to be fearful, uh, to, to feel like we're defeated. But here's what Paul's saying. He's saying it doesn't have to be that way. You and I, we don't have to slip and slide through life with every hit, with every knock. We can be firmly planted in the gospel. The hits are still going to come. Life is still going to be a struggle, but our feet can be firmly planted so that when those hits come, we don't have to be knocked around by them. We can be sure, we can be secure, we can have peace. Not only are we planted, but we're planted and we're given peace and stability that even Satan cannot undo, that no one or nothing can undo. We've talked about the goal of Satan. Demons and spiritual wars to keep you defeated. Even as a believer, he can't have your soul. He wants you to live a defeated life, though. And in warfare, the Roman soldier, he wanted to knock his opponent off his feet because he knew if he got him down, then, then he had a severe advantage over him. The Roman soldier wanted to keep from getting knocked down. Satan wants to knock you off your feet. He wants to put you on the defense instead of being on offense. And the way he does that is to keep you from putting on your shoes or to get you to take them off so that you have no grounding, so that you don't have a foundation. And the way we move from defense to offense is to, the Bible says, Paul tells us to put on our feet the shoes, the preparation of the gospel of peace. And that word preparation means readiness, steadfastness. It means quickness. And so the idea here is similar to what we're, we're told in 1 Peter 3.15. Honor the Messiah's Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Putting on your gospel shoes involves making yourself ready to deal with whatever comes your way. And there are two steps to that. The first step is accepting the gospel. 
accepting salvation. You have to be saved in order to put on the shoes. So what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is, first, it's the good news. It's the good news of salvation. What's involved in the gospel? Well, it is the good news of God summed up by the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it also involves God's saving activity, that by his grace and for his glory, he accepts sinners like us. The goal of the gospel is salvation to all who believe. The components of the gospel is Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So you have to accept the gospel. You have to be saved. And the only way to be saved is by accepting the salvation that Jesus provides. If a Roman soldier goes into battle without his shoes, he's history. If you and I attempt to fight spiritual war without the gospel, we're history. We don't have a chance. First, you have to be saved. And then second, what Paul is really talking about here, he's talking to believers. He's saying that we have to put on our gospel shoes every day by being prepared with the truth of God's word, with the righteousness that Jesus provides. We live that out and we stand firm in what we've already received. There are things that we do to put on our shoes every day to be prepared. We accept the gospel. And then we stand firm in the gospel. Here's what we need to understand. The gospel power that saved you is is also the power that daily sustains us. The gospel power that brought Jesus out of the grave brings believers through the battles of life. You see, here's a mistake that a lot of people make. They think, okay, salvation, I am saved, and then that's it. I'm good. Now, listen, that's true. Once you accept Christ, you're saved. But the power of the gospel that saves you, God doesn't just leave you on your own. The same power that saves us, that gives us life, that frees us from death, is the power that sustains us from day to day. The resurrection power that brought Jesus out of the grave is the same power that God gives you and me to fight all of these battles that we face every day. At home, at work, at school, day-to-day life, relationships, the many different ways that Satan attacks us, the power of the gospel is how we fight those battles. That resurrection power. God doesn't, thankfully, he doesn't just save us and throw us out to live on our own. He says, I'm going to save you, set you apart, and then I'm going to equip you with my armor. And it's grounded in the truth, in the gospel, who I am and, and what I've done to save you. The power of the gospel is how we fight from day to day. It's how God equips us with, with, all, with all power that we need. And listen, even the greatest enemy that we have, death. We have victory over that. Nothing can take that away from us. You know, I'm sure many of you saw on the news this week, Dog the Bounty Hunter. Y'all know who that is, right? Dwayne Chapman, his wife passed away, sadly, from cancer. And I was reading an article about that and an interview that he had done recently, uh, right after her death. It was either the same day or the day after. And I was reading his words, his response, and I didn't see the video, but this was a a video interview that he had done. This was the transcript. And and here's here's what he, he said after her death. He said, I just hope to God that there is a God. I've always trained myself. I think he he believes in God. He said, I've always trained myself. What would Jesus do? He said, I hope I'm just not just talking to myself. Then he teared up and then he said, he said, I hope there's a God and if there is, I'm going to see Beth, his wife again. And that's all we can do is hope. 
Now listen, he's grieving, and I listen, I, I'm not taking anything away from that, but I want to tell you something. We don't have to just hope. Because of the resurrection of Christ, because of the gospel, the salvation that we've received, we can have assurance that even in the face of death, we have victory. And because of that, we can stand firm. There's nothing that can knock us off our feet if our feet are firmly planted in the gospel. Every day, keep saturating yourself with the truth of the gospel. Go deep in the gospel. Stand firm. Have your feet planted so that nothing can knock you off of your feet. The gospel shoes, they give us everything that we need for spiritual warfare, which brings us to our next point. Something else that gospel shoes give us is uh, access, and access to is that we can receive peace from the gospel. You know, peace means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. To some, it means the absence of war. To a mom of four, it means nap time, right? <laughs> it depends on who you're talking to as to what peace means. Uh, you know, peace isn't just the absence of conflict. When we look and we talked about this, when we, if you'll remember, when we went through the book of Philippians, we talked about this. Peace is, is beyond just the absence of conflict. The word for peace here is basically the equivalent, not basically, it is the equivalent of the Hebrew word shalom, which means completeness. It means wholeness. It means an inner rest in the midst of everything that could be going on around you. It's something inside of you that creates rest that transcends circumstances. It's not affected in any way by the circumstances around us. And so that's the idea. A person who is at peace is someone who is able to be stable and calm and assured, grounded in the midst of all of the circumstances when life gets crazy, and it does, uh, when, when things start to hit you, it's that peace that comes from deep within that rises above that. It's not being calm when everything else around you is all well. You're supposed to be calm then. It's, it's the ability to be calm when everything around you is going all wrong and to be at peace to be assured in the midst of whatever storm is raging around you. It's when everything that darks, that everything around you is dark, that nothing looks promising, that this peace shines through. And what God's word tells us in Philippians is that this peace is so opposite of our normal reaction as human beings that it's impossible for us to even understand that we can't even comprehend it because it's so contrary to what we want, to the way we want to react when we're hit from all sides, when Satan's attempting to knock us off our feet through circumstances, through the, the different ways he attacks us. But we read about this in Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It surpasses every thought. It goes to work for us in spiritual warfare so that we can stand firm against the tactics of Satan. This is the peace that comforts people when they've lost their jobs so that they won't lose their minds. It's the peace that produces praise when there's no paper in the bank, when finances are tough. It's, it's, it's what restores hope when your health is failing. It's peace that passes all understanding that goes to work for you and that we're told is so powerful that we are to let it control our lives, to call the shots, to make our decisions for us, to set the course of our life. We're told in God's word in, Col in Colossians 3.15, Paul says, let the peace of the Messiah to which you were also called in one body control your hearts. 
Be thankful. That word control here is, is basically the word for umpire. Now, I've been going to baseball tournaments for the past three weeks. I've seen a lot of different umpires. I'm not going to make any comments about the umpires. You know, some are better than others. But you, you tell me if I'm wrong here. How the umpire calls the game has a lot to do with the outcome of that game. He sets the pace for that game. I was in recreation ministry. And we had church basketball. If you want to learn people's real character, go to recreation church basketball and see people on the court. But there were some, there were some referees that would set the pace of that game immediately, and they were, they were not going to let anything get out of hand. Some guys sat back, and they let events unfold. They weren't very forceful. And in one instance, I, as the recreation minister, had to step in and stop a game. The way the umpire, the referee, calls the game will determine the way that game unfolds. You get the idea here is that peace is supposed to be the umpire of our lives. If we let through peace, if we let the Lord Jesus call the shots in our lives, if we let him umpire our lives, he will determine the course of our lives. And when we do that, that results in peace. If we allow Jesus to be Lord, to be in control of our lives, then that takes the pressure off. He equips us from day to day He has a plan for us. We can rest in that and we can have peace that that goes beyond human comprehension that we can't explain. And in the midst of the turmoil of life, all of the trials, all the tribulations, that peace from within shines through and we're able to rest and still stand firm in the gospel. And again, we're not going to be knocked off our feet. Because even if life gets tough, we know we have assurance. We have hope, and hope in the sense of assurance, the biblical meaning of the word hope. And here's the reason this is so important, okay? How many decisions do you and I make in a day? Think about all the little decisions, not to mention where to go to college, who to marry, where to go on vacation this summer. I mean, you know, all of these decisions, who, who to be friends with, uh, all of these major decisions that we have, many of which, and even some of the small decisions, direct, have great impact on the course of our lives. I don't know about you, but I am more than willing, I, I'm not saying I'm perfect at doing this, but I'm more than willing to let God do that for me. Because not only am I responsible for the course of my life if I choose to make my own decisions, as the spiritual leader of my home, my decisions affect my wife and my kids. I have to let God call the shots. Otherwise, my life and my family would be an absolute mess. The peace of God, through that, in that, we let it umpire our lives. We let God, we let Christ call the shots. And he makes the decision. And God says that when you allow the peace to umpire your life, he calls the shots. When we align our thoughts, our desires, our our wants under his authority, under his truth, as we've talked about with the belt of truth, the course that he set for us, when we align all of that under his authority, then we, his rule over every area, we will walk in peace. And this peace comes from the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. Before he was crucified, Jesus, talking about the Holy Spirit, said this to his disciples. He said, he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains in you and and he will be in you. We accept salvation. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life. At the moment we are saved, Jesus and his presence 
And the, the person of the Trinity that is the Holy Spirit takes up residence. And the world, you know, the world might offer you peace and a pill and a drink and an injection and a relationship in some other form. But here's the problem with the world's form of peace. It only lasts as long as the thing that it comes in. But the peace of God that transcends all human reasoning remains regardless of what goes on around you. It's eternal. And it's there to ground us regardless of circumstances. And that's the kind of peace that Christ wants us to have. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in the world. It's going to happen. You're going to suffer. But be courageous. Take heart because I've conquered the world. So how do we cover our feet with the gospel shoes? Well, the answer is the gospel, the good news. At the heart of the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the substitute for our sins, but it's more than that. We talked about this last week. The gospel has a whole lot to do with how we live. It's the the righteousness. We're made right with God, but then we have to practice righteousness. And it's that gospel power through that and the Holy Spirit's presence in our life using the truth of God's word and the principles, the practice of righteousness, God uses that to, to sanctify us, the process of sanctification. And we're in that. And God is the one who does it. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of peace himself. Well, what that's telling us is that God is the one who does the sanctifying, not anybody else. And here's how he does it. He does it from the inside out, not the outside in. A lot of people try to fix themselves from the outside in, and it just doesn't work. Because what they're doing is they're ignoring the root of the problem, and the problem is a lack of sanctification. Again, Satan wants to convince you that when you're saved, that all of you is made new. Now, you have a position, a right standing before God, but you're not completely new. That's why you still struggle with sins, with temptation, with the flesh. But Satan wants to convince you that God has done all he's going to do when he saved you, that he made you new, and anything beyond that, you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to manage your emotions, your actions, your body. And so what people end up trying to do is trash management. They're trying to organize the trash in their life. They're trying to, to move it here, fix it here, hide it in the closet when company comes over. But the problem is it's still there. Let me let you in on a little secret. You can't fix you. I can't fix me. The best we can hope for is that I could manage me. And eventually, that's not going to work anymore. Because again, we are ignoring the root of the problem. And that is the need for sanctification. The gospel that saves us also provides the power to sanctify us. We put on our shoes every day. Part of that, it's all tied together. We're putting on our shoes so we'll be grounded as we live out the righteousness that we've already put on with the breastplate of righteousness that's based on the truth that we've already learned by putting on the belt of truth that comes from God's word. The gospel that saves us also sanctifies us. And we need to put on the gospel We need to experience authentic peace as we live for Christ. And when worry creeps back in, we have to remind us that 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 worry, you know, the opposite of peace is anxiety. It is inner chaos. It's worry. And when that worry, that anxiety creeps in, we have to remind us that that, that's lying to us. 
that God provides us. He has promised that he will provide for all of our needs, that we will never go without from an eternal perspective. You will have trials. You will have tribulations. There are going to be hardships, but in it all and through it all, God will provide. And he will keep you anchored in the gospel that he saved you with and that power, that resurrection power, as long as you put on those shoes every day and trust him and continue to go deep, saturate yourself in the word of God, spend time with your Lord and Savior. And again, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, I know I've quoted that a lot recently, but it is so very vitally important to this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. He says, bring them to me. I can handle it. I know them. Present your requests to God. Do it with thanksgiving because I've already got the answer. I've got it taken care of. Trust in me. Put your gospel shoes on. Be grounded in the gospel. And then the peace that goes beyond all ability we have as human beings to understand. The peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Put on your gospel shoes and rest in the peace that comes from salvation. Stand firm in the gospel. Receive peace from the gospel. And then we can remain steadfast in the gospel. You know, steadfast, that means to be faithful, to be committed, to be unwavering as we advance. Remember the Roman soldier. He, uh, he put on his shoes so that he would have a firm foundation, but also he, he needed to be able to advance. And, and we talked about with Paul, he's telling us it's the shoes and it, we are anchored in the gospel as we advance the gospel. We stand firm, but we also have a responsibility to advance the gospel. Isaiah gives us some instructions on how to strap on our peace shoes and advance. Isaiah 26, 3, the steadfast of mind, you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts you. Be steadfast, faithful, unwavering. And if we trust him, we're steadfast because we trust him, he will give us perfect peace. And here's what we need to know. When your mind agrees with God's mind and his truth and his standard, you will access God's power to advance in spiritual warfare. And he will give you your peace shoes. Trusting in God produces peace. You know, I think about when I think about trials and temptations and and the temptation to to not remain faithful I, I think about Shadrach Meshach and Abednego that was the first sermon I ever preached it was on that because you know it pretty much preaches itself doesn't it but when Shadrach Meshach and Abednego were faced with the decision they were told either you bow before the image of this king or we're going to throw you in a furnace here was their response and I love it not arrogantly. You know, a lot of people read this as if they were arrogant. No, they were respectful, but they, were, they just stood firm. They didn't waver. Verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer in this question. If the God we serve exists, and it's not if he does or doesn't, they're saying he does exist, and if he does, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But verse 18 is the key here, folks. Even if he doesn't rescue us, we want you to know, king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. Listen, God may rescue us, he may not, but we are going to stand firm. We are not going to waver. And what did God do? 
If you don't know the story, God didn't rescue them from the fire. Not only did he not rescue them, the furnace was heated seven times hotter. But hear me, here's, here's, here's what we all have to remember. There are going to be times where God rescues you from the fire. And when he does, man, that is fantastic, right? It's great when God rescues you from the fire. But sometimes God preserves you through the fire. Because here's what God did. He didn't take them out of the fire. What he did is he joined them in the fire. When Nebuchadnezzar looks down, he says, hey, there are, didn't we throw three people in there? There are four people walking around. And they came out unharmed. When God rescues you, man, that's fantastic. But in this world, there are going to be a lot of fires that you face. There are going to be trials. There are going to be death, deaths of loved ones. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be jobs that are lost. There are going to be finances that disappear. There are going to be family members, kids that go their own way and cause your family heartache. There are going to be marriages that experience turmoil. There's going to be all sorts of things that you face. In this world, God, he may not rescue you from the fire, but what he does is he joins you in it in the world. He comes to where you are. And through the gospel, through salvation, through the power that saved you, he gives you the ability to cope. But not only to cope, live in victory in the midst of that fire. He will save you, he has saved you, and he will rescue you in his time and his way. But it may be through that fire of tribulation. It may be through, God doesn't always change the world, but thankfully, he has joined us in the world. He joined us in the person of Jesus Christ, and now he joins us in the Holy Spirit that takes up residence in us. He's with us always, and Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You're going to have trouble in this world, but take heart. I've overcome. And I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be with you. He's going to guide you. He's going to counsel you. Not only that, he's going to empower you with the truth of my word, the righteousness that I've given you, and the gospel that you are firmly planted in. As long as you do your part, trust in me, do the work of learning more about me, saturating yourself with the word, building and, and strengthening the relationship you have with me by depending on me, by trusting in me, by living by my truth, I will protect you and I will provide for you. And I will never, ever leave you. And even when we leave him, he doesn't leave us. He'll let us suffer some consequences. And that's why we have to put on our shoes and do our part. But he will never walk away from us. If you feel like you've been tossed into the furnace... I could go around the room, I'm not going to do it, but some of you feel like you're in the furnace this morning. Something's going wrong in your life. Something unexpected, something you're dealing with, some sort of struggle, something you may have been dealing with for a long time. But if you feel like you've been tossed in the furnace, let me remind you to put on your, your peace shoes and go back. I'm going to give you a verse. And you take this verse. And whenever you're feeling like the, hot, the fire's getting too hot, you go back to this verse. Psalm 37, 25. Psalmist says, I've been... Young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. We're made righteous because Jesus credits that to our account. We become righteous every day by putting on the breastplate, living for the Lord by his truth, grounded in the gospel. And as long as we do that, God says, You will never go in need. I will provide. And every attack on peace in your life needs to be taken straight back to the spiritual realm, placed at the feet of God, and be replaced. All that worry, all that anxiety be replaced with the peace of God that comes from the gospel. 
You know, we have a lot of different shoes for a lot of different things, right? I've already shared with you my, my golf shoes. I'm going to set them aside mainly because they're huge. But uh, there's a lot. Of, I brought some more shoes with me, okay? I've got some of these on this morning, but I brought the pair that I wasn't wearing. Um, dress shoes, right? What do we wear dress shoes for? Go to church on Sunday, go out, take your wife out to a nice meal, dress up for a special occasion. So we have dress shoes that we use. Um, we also have... Running shoes. I don't run myself, but I have a pair of running shoes, mainly because they were on sale, okay? All right? But what do you use running shoes for? You use them to run, right? If you're going to go running, you don't put on your dress shoes. You could, but your feet are going to be hurting pretty bad by the end of that run, right? Okay? I'm going on vacation this week. We're going to visit some family. Um, I, I probably, I don't wear sandals, but you know, if I wanted to relax, maybe I would wear, these are mine. I don't wear them very often. Maybe some sandals to relax in, right? These aren't Roman soldier sandals, no hobnails. These are for relaxing, for being cool. Uh, vacation's what I think of. I also brought another pair of shoes that don't belong to me, and you'll be glad of that when you see them. I brought Gracie's point shoes, her ballet shoes. And these are used for a specific purpose too. They're used for ballet, for dancing, not just dancing, but dancing on point, right, Gracie? And she moved to that level a few years ago and uses these. Now, what if I were to, I'm not going to do this, but what if I were to take these to put these on and attempt to get up here and preach on Sunday morning? (laughs) Would y'all listen to a word I said? No, you'd be worried. Y'all be about ready to call a personnel meeting after that, wouldn't you? (laughs) What if I used them to go for a run? How well would that work out? It wouldn't work out too well. (laughs) Maybe some people would do this, but what if I used them to relax on vacation? Again, hopefully not. Each one of these has a specific purpose. And in the same way, the gospel shoes that God gives, has they have a purpose. So here's my question. As y'all laughed, and rightfully so, at the silliness, the thought of me putting on ballet shoes. What shoes do you have on this morning? Are they shoes that you've created to try to remain stable and firm? Or are they shoes that God provides? You know, last year in February, February 21st, I believe, Billy Graham, the great evangelist, passed away. Uh, what an incredible life lived for the Lord. It's said that he preached to over 215 million people over six decades. It's been estimated, nobody knows for sure, it's been estimated that he was responsible for influencing over three, three million people to accept the gospel. He preached in 185 of the world's 195 countries, prayed with every president from Harry Truman to Barack Obama. What an amazing influence for the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he died, there was a quote of his that went viral. It actually originated with D.L. Moody, but he used it often, a quote. And at one point, right after his death, it was shared every 15 seconds on Twitter. You've probably heard the quote, but I'm going to read it for you again. Here's what he said. He said, someday you're going to hear or read that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? I shall be more alive than I am now. I will have just changed my dress. I will have gone into the presence of God. No doubt in my mind that he had his gospel shoes on, put them on daily, and had them strapped on tight, and he was firmly planted in them. You know, we go to battle every day, and the war's real, the battle rages, 
and it's tough. We're in a fight for our lives, for our families, for the mission, for the church, and for the lost. And Satan wants to come and he wants to knock you off your feet so that you will be completely ineffective, living defeated as you attempt to go to battle every day. But let me encourage you, put on your gospel shoes. Don't give up. Stand firm. Don't give in. Don't let up because the cost is too great. There are people's lives that are hanging in the balance. And we have to go to battle every day, not in our own strength, but in the power of the gospel. Stand firm in the gospel, empowered by the presence of God, the Holy Spirit living within you, the gospel that saved you, the power that sustains you. You can stand firm. And I want you to know this morning, as your pastor, here's my commitment. I'm not perfect, and I'm going to mess up from time to time, but my commitment commitment is that I am putting my gospel shoes on every day and I will not rest until everybody in this community has heard the gospel. And I'm going to ask you before I finish this morning, will you put on your shoes with me and stand firm in the saving power, resurrection, sustaining power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let's pray together this morning. Father, The only reason we can stand firm is because you have provided salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, your death, your burial, your resurrection, the grace that you give us by saving us and setting us free from sin and death is what makes us, your righteousness credited to our account is what makes us, gives us that right standing before you. But also... We know that once we're saved and set apart, we're set apart for a purpose. And that purpose is to live for you, to be made like your son Jesus, to be sanctified, molded daily. And and I pray that, that we would understand the components of living out our salvation, putting on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness so our hearts will be guarded by the righteousness that you give us, but also the righteousness that we practice in your strength that's informed by the truth of your word. And that, Lord, we would put on our gospel shoes every day that, that, that for those that don't know you here today, that would mean they're going to put them on for the first time. And that in a moment, in, as we have this time of commitment, if they don't have salvation, that they would come forward and let me show them how to put on their gospel shoes to receive your salvation. For those of us who know you, putting on our shoes means every day we get up and we put into practice the truth, the practice of righteousness, that we trust you, that we allow you to call the shots in our lives, that we rest in the peace that you provide as we allow you to control, to be Lord of our lives, that we give surrender, we surrender completely to your will and your way, that we stand firm in the truth and we allow your power to work in and through us to strengthen us for battle each day. Lord, we need to evaluate where we are. What shoes are we wearing? Are we trusting in you? Are we living in the strength that you provide? Are we trying to fix and manage our lives in our own strength, living in defeat and chaos? Lord, I pray that we would live in your truth, in your strength, in the same power that saved us, the resurrection power, Lord, that we would trust you And depend on you to use that power to sustain us. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, there may be other decisions. I, I don't know how you're speaking to hearts. But Lord, I pray that we would just be faithful. That we would be obedient in this time. 
to be faithful as you are always be, as you always and will be faithful, and to be obedient without any hesitation, because any hesitation in obedience is disobedience. Lord, let us hear your voice and respond accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?